You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, you name it, we'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call. We're going to get to the calls in just a little bit. Today is Destination Health. This is the show where we talk about and answer your questions about fitness and health and training and diet and nutrition and disease and drugs and all of those things. And we wrap it around that trucking lifestyle, staying healthy on the road. Because it's Destination Health, I have my co-host with me today, Kim Cockerham. Kim, welcome back. Hi, Kevin. So glad to be here. Great to be here. What a uh, what a gorgeous day here in the gorge. Mm. Hey, we we are too. We're back. You know, I'm in Ohio right now, and um, to feel the cool mornings <laughs> with with yeah. no Florida humidity is amazing, and that's that's really cool, isn't it? When you step back and just appreciate the beauty of nature in our days it is and and you know uh, i've got a couple things i want to get to today i want to do a a quick book review or get started Mm -hmm. on a review we're going to do this over multiple segments but you know this is the time of year and i've been doing this a lot lately where i really try to get outside and and the gorge Mm -hmm. you know we have low humidity lots of sunshine and there's multiple reasons we should be outside and, and one of them is sunshine. We, we've been told that, you know, we need sunscreens and the sun will give us skin cancer. And, and I fell victim to this my whole life because I'm fair-skinned. I burn easy. You know, they say the easier you burn, the higher your chances of skin cancer. And, you know, I, I always kind of wondered if being out in the sun is so dangerous – why would I use a product that allows me to stay mm-hmm. out in the day? Mm-hmm. And that's what sunscreens mm-hmm. do. I, you know, if I go out, it, 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 let's say I haven't been outside, I'm not tanning, and, and I go outside in intense sun, 15 minutes and I can be burnt. I mean, it, it's just, but if I expose myself to the sun on a, you know, sensible basis over and over a little bit each day, then pretty soon I, I don't burn. And, and even as light-skinned as I am, I, I don't burn. And I have that natural defense of when you feel yourself starting to burn, get out of the sun, you know, mm-hmm. be reasonable. But when I would put on sunscreen, which is a bunch of chemicals and all kinds of other things, I could stay out for eight hours. And I got thinking, is that really good? I mean, is I'm not burning, but is the sun doing damage because I'm out in it longer than I naturally would be. And it now turns out that that could very well be the case that 
sunscreen use could lead to more skin cancer than anything else. And just like eating reasonably and naturally, if we go outside and we're exposed to the sun reasonably and naturally, we use our natural defense that as we start to burn, we would get out of the sun. Um, that, that provides lots and lots of health benefits and actually reduces the incidence of skin cancer. And again, we have to think about this. We've survived on the planet and thrived for a very, very long time. And for 99.9% of our time on the planet, sunscreens didn't exist, and we lived outside. Mm-hmm. There, there was no skin cancer. So, you know, we just have to go back sometimes and use some common sense and look at nature. You know, if being out in the sun caused skin cancer, we would have died off as a species a long time ago because everybody would have had skin cancer. They lived outside. They were always outside. So, you know, get outside. And vitamin D and all the benefits of sunshine. Another one is sleep. It turns out that the more you expose yourself to bright sunlight during the day, the better you sleep at night. Vitamin D, we, we should stop calling it a vitamin. It's really a hormone, and hormones are extremely powerful. They do all kinds of things in our body. And by far the best source of vitamin D is sunshine. The other reason for being outside, take your shoes off, grounding, um, which the first time I heard this, I thought it was a little out there. But again, a lot of evidence. We survived for a very, very long time outside with no shoes, and, and there's a healthy reason for doing that. We actually absorb positive electrons from the earth. That's a good thing. And you talked about cool mornings. One of the best ways is a cool morning when there's dew and the grass is kind of damp. Go walk mm-hmm. around in the grass. It feels good. It's good for you. Um, obviously, fresh air is better than indoor air. There's just lots and lots of reasons we should be getting outside more, and this is the time of year to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Kevin, I love the way you question things. I, your mind has to be going all the time. <laughs> but just, um, just like that, sunscreen, because you get used to doing things that, you know, you're going to go outside, sunscreen, so let me grab the sunscreen. You know, I'll get it sprayed on. But, um to just step back, I love the questioning. Just step back and question, and uh, and and take a look at things that we're used to doing that we've always done forever, and uh, see if it still has a place. Yeah, yeah. So the the book, I, I this one mm-hmm. probably. Um, I don't think we're going to spend a ton of time on this book, but it's one I would highly recommend for people. It's one I just read fairly recently. There isn't anything really, really new in this book. You know, I've already read most of this material. I just like the format, and it's short. It's an easy read. It's got some really good recommendations on what you should eat. There's a 21-day plan in there. And the other thing I really like is the author has impressive credentials. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He director of functional medicine for the Cleveland Clinic. You know, we're not talking about a a science writer. We're not talking about a blogger. 
Uh, we're not talking about just somebody who might have a nutritional degree. This guy's got some serious credentials. Mm-hmm. He's a medical mm-hmm. doctor. But functional medicine, I, I really like. Functional medicine is in a lot of ways similar, similar to naturopathic mm-hmm. medicine. They have strong medical credentials. They've been through medical school, um, but they believe in a different way. They believe that there are better ways to do things than what traditional Western medicine has been doing. So um, I saw a definition somewhere. Uh, I don't know if I could find that again or not, um, of what functional medicine really is. And it was interesting because it's very similar to the NTP. The, uh, in functional medicine, they, the basis of functional medicine is they look at how we interact, the interaction between our environment and our diet and our food and three of our major systems in the body, the endocrine system, the immune system, and the digestive system. God, that sounds a lot like the NTP program Mm -hmm. and the foundation. So, you know, it really, really makes a lot of sense. So the book, again, you're not going to get a lot of really new stuff. We've read a a lot of this already in, um, you know, books like Good Calories, Bad Calories. Um, Oh, who was the other book I was just thinking of? Um, Oh, I'll think of it in a little bit. It was a female writer. Oh, Gary Tobbs did good calories, bad calories. That that one is so detailed and in depth of how we got off track on fats. Um, oh, I'll think of it in a little bit. Uh, but oh, I almost had it there. So again, <laughs> a lot of new stuff, but a really good format. A little shorter, a little more to the point. Not so much really diving into each study, but the book starts off. A lot like, you know, good calories, bad calories, telling us how we got so screwed up about fat. And I I think it's a good lesson for people to hear um, why we did this low-fat thing for so long and how wrong it really was. And, And now we're finally getting over that. So the book starts off with that. Then it goes into, you know, some comparison of different diets. Here's the interesting thing. Um... Well, there's the music. Let me get to a break. Um, I'll come back. We'll cover a little bit more on the book, and then we'll get to your calls and questions. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. You can also find us on Facebook. This is Destination Health, and you can look up Destination Health on the Audio Road Network on Facebook and find us there. Kim Cockerham is with me. And, uh, Kim, going back to what I was about to say in the book, he makes some really um, good comparisons about different diets over the years. And one of the diets that really helped kind of legitimize the low-fat movement was the Ornish diet, Dr. Dean Ornish. Mm, yeah, the, yeah. The problem with that one was he did get tremendous results. He really did. And, and you can't dispute he took, you know, and it wasn't a huge study, 30 or 40-some men, I think, ended up finishing it. I, I forget exactly wasn't a really big study, but it was very in-depth. It was very controlled. Um, the information was, was really concise, and the results were pretty amazing. Here's the problem. He took some pretty unhealthy people eating a standard American diet, smoking, and no exercise. That was the, the group he started with. Well, he put them on a very low-fat plant-based diet. He, they stopped smoking. They started exercising. They went through meditation and yoga and all kinds of things. And they saw amazing results. But it was all attributed to the low-fat plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. There were lots of other things going on there. Obviously, if you stop smoking, we get huge benefits. If you start meditating and exercising, you get huge benefits. If you move from a processed standard American diet to a whole food diet of any kind, things have to get better. So clearly what he did worked. But what hasn't been compared very well is what if you would have done all of those same things, but instead of a low-fat plant-based diet, you would have put somebody on a high-fat ketogenic diet. And still did all those other things. Would we have seen even better results? And a lot of people believe that we would. There just aren't any real studies on Mm -hmm. this stuff. Um, But he he makes some really good comparisons in the book about that. He he likes an approach that he actually has coined the term pagan. So Mm -hmm. pagan, I'm not sure how we would pronounce it because he takes a vegan diet mm-hmm. and a paleo diet and combines them, takes the best of both. He doesn't necessarily believe that we would be healthy as vegans, but eating a lot of vegetables, a lot of plant-based foods is clearly healthy. There's no downside mm-hmm. to that. But he also knows we have to have lots of good fats in our diet and that, that you know, Animal sources of nutrients are our best sources. So he believes in, you know, lots of good fats, little bit of protein, and a lot of vegetables. What does that mm-hmm. sound like? Yeah, exactly what we're doing. And, and um, you know, because I had read the book, too, and he has the 21 day. I loved when he went into that um, as a continuing lifestyle, the pagan one, because it, to me I was just able to get my arms around that. Um, because it is, it's what we talk about. And it was kind of like an aha, you know, like aha when that book came out. Right. And, 
and uh, very, very cool. Yeah, I like, I like, I like, really enjoyed the book. I enjoyed the 21 day because sometimes you just have to refocus, and he really helps you do that. And uh, that's when we learned about some of the supplements that, like the Light Balance, that has been huge for me, and um, probably one of the best books I've read recently. I'm nowhere near what you've read, but this one um, really, really was a good blueprint to focus and get going. Yeah, and and you know, I, I'm, this may I, I don't know if I'm actually going to do any more of a review of this book. The facts mm-hmm. that are in the book, mm-hmm. we've really talked about many, many times. The reason I'm reviewing it, recommending it, just like you said, of all the books I've read, he's not really saying anything new, but he's got great credentials, and it's a really well-written book. It, it's yeah. not too in-depth to you know make your eyes glaze over with too many facts. It's got a lot of action items you can get started on right now. He uses just enough scientific proof, you know, to say, yeah, this, there, there's some background to this. And, and it is available on audio um, at Audible. So I think, you know, for anybody who's looking for another good book or maybe your first good book to read about this, this is a, a good one. Eat Fat, Get Thin by Dr. Mark Hyman. So, uh Really good stuff. Um, it seems like I had something else I wanted to talk about today, but maybe not. Do you have anything, you know, or should we get some questions? Well, along the, along the line of him, um, he had gone to Akron to do a talk. And so my oldest daughter had, had um, it was a free talk they were doing, had signed up to go see him. At the original time it was put out there, it was, let food be thy medicine. In the meantime, ah. like right before he came to speak, he released his book. So then he talked more about his book. And, and the one thing that stands out that she shared with me after was um, everybody wanted to get so detailed. Like, tell me what to eat. Tell me this. Tell me that. And he's like, and he said, it's not that hard. <laughs> you know, he's <laughs> like, and it was, it's really kind of cool. She said they kept, like, cut kept asking that question and he finally just stopped and said listen it's not that hard you know eat the real food and and, and get over being afraid of the fat and uh it, it was really fascinating it's kind of neat because you, you, when I was listening to her I found myself like nodding my head because it's like it's so true um he's got a lot of videos out there on mind body green as well it's a nice website that has little short videos and he's out there with some good videos too excellent Great stuff. All right. Well, let's get to some phone calls. Let's uh, start off in Indiana. Becky, welcome to the program. Hi. How are you two today? Hey there. Hey, Becky. Good. Well, I am now listening to the Dr. Hyman book, but the one I listened to just before that was called The Big Fat Secret. And I was Uh, listening to all of the science that was wrong and pushed down everybody's throats about the low carb, uh, low, uh, excuse me, low fat, high carb diet, it struck me instantly that it's kind of the same thing we're going through with the global warming argument right now. Interesting. Now, before you move on, do you mean the big fat surprise? Yeah, that's, that's what it is. The, the big well, fat surprise. How, it, Sorry. how interesting is that? That's the book I was trying to think of. Five minutes ago, but but, but yeah, uh, yeah, I I said it was a female author, Nina Techholtz. It's a great, great book. Yeah, excellent book if you want to dig a little deeper 
into the science and how we got so screwed up about fats. She's an excellent writer. Um, so the comparison was, you know, Dr. Hyman's book talks a lot about the same stuff, just not as much detail. I mean, she really piles on the proof and the evidence. And, you know, if you want to be convinced of, of how bad the low fat movement really was, The Big Fat Surprise is a great book. Well, and it, it kind of went step by step how the bad science started because the initial researcher, Ansel Keys, went after the the result that he wanted. So he kicked out anything that didn't fit in with his hypothesis. And right. it just kind of snowballed and grew. Politicians got involved, which knew absolutely nothing about diet and health, but they wanted to, quote, unquote, do something. So this whole thing with people saying, wait a minute, we're not sure about this. The science isn't quite there. We should hold back. It was just railroaded through, and it almost is lockstep into what is happening now with global warming. Scientists are saying, wait a minute, there's faulty science here. Not all of our models say this, yet people who want to quote-unquote do something are pushing ahead, but it's also the money. Follow the right. money on both Absolute. cases. It's weird. It's, yeah. it's eerie. Yeah, great correlation. You're right. There's a, and I, I, you know, I don't know what's right on, on global warming. I really don't. I'm not sure if any of us do. I, I think it is so complicated that, you know, you can make an argument either way. I, clearly, there could be. Um, there's no, no doubt that as human beings, we have an impact on the planet. But the idea of we have to do something. I think is a bad idea. Sometimes it's better to do nothing um, until we really know. Yeah. Now on the nutrition side, really, I am completely convinced. I I, I think I could be convinced either way on some of the global warming issues, because I just don't know that there's enough clear evidence either way. And if there isn't enough clear evidence, then we shouldn't be doing anything drastic based on unclear evidence. So it, it's a great exactly. comparison. I, on the nutrition side, though, I am completely convinced we now know what we need to know for 90% of what it takes to be healthy. We can just go back to what worked naturally for a very, very long time. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is 
Destination Health. My co-host, Kim Cocker, him is with me. Kim, I, I was just thinking about a couple things as Becky was saying that. Um, both of these topics can be extremely complicated, like, like so complex that we can't possibly get our mind around them. When I look at all the things that go on in our body, the liver, one organ, has over 500 functions in the body. That's insane. Mm -hmm. That's one organ. How can we possibly hope to understand that completely? I, I don't know that we ever will. You know, one of the things, again, I've always questioned about supplements. There was a time where we had no idea what was in food. We, nothing. We just ate it. We didn't know that there were even macronutrients. And, and, you know, when they discovered macronutrients, we believed we knew everything you needed to know about food. It has carbs, it has fat, and it has protein. Well, then we noticed that there were certain people getting new diseases that hadn't really existed before. One of the examples was sailors. Well, you know, as we got more and more advanced, we were able to put people out on boats for longer and longer periods of time, and they developed scurvy. And nobody had ever seen scurvy before. It was because we had no fresh fruits and vegetables on boats, and it was long periods of time. So we finally learned that, oh, wait a minute, there's something in foods called vitamin C. And if you don't get enough of it, you get a disease. So we started seeing diseases of deficiency. Well, then we thought we knew everything that there was in foods. We identified, you know, all these vitamins. Well, that wasn't everything that was in foods because now we know there are things called phytonutrients. We didn't know about those before. And now we know that certain phytonutrients help with certain diseases or certain health benefits. Well, now we, we also found that there's some new vitamins we didn't even know about. Vitamin K2, nobody knew that existed or what it did. Um, we, we've talked a lot about um, Dr. Price, Weston A. Price. He, he knew there was something in animal products that was making people healthier, that healthier than people who didn't eat animal products, but he couldn't figure out what it was. He actually called it Factor X because he didn't know what it was. Well, it turns out it was vitamin K2. So if that's the case and we're still, oh, here's another big one. What about the whole gut bacteria thing? Mm -hmm. Ten years ago, nobody was talking about gut bacteria. Now we're finding out it affects so many things and we're just learning this. So what else don't we know about that's mm -hmm. in food? So how can we supplement and pull certain things out if we don't even really know what's in there? It's so complex, but the beauty is we can make it really simple. It doesn't have to be this complex. You don't have to know all this stuff. You just have to know what worked for a very, very long period of time. You know, as humans... We somehow figured out things that were really healthy for us to eat. And every time we look back at traditional diets, you know, people didn't ferment foods because they knew it was really healthy. They fermented foods because it was the only way we had to preserve foods. 
but it turns out that works really, really well, and there are a lot of health benefits to it. We don't have to understand why. It's kind of like, you know, sometimes when I try to talk about fuel tax, which compared to this is a really, really simple topic, but I have a hard time getting people to understand it. So sometimes I'll say, look, instead of understanding every detail, just trust this one thing. Just take the pump price, subtract the tax, and that's the price you compare. Don't worry about all the other stuff. If you do that, you'll be fine. We kind of say the same thing about this. Eat whole real food, and you'll be okay. You don't need to understand all this other stuff. That's a great way to put it, and it is. It's mind-boggling, and my head started to explode at one point. There. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I know, like, okay, no, make it simple, and it's, so, it's, just, it's just so true, and I feel this when we think of it, um, and everybody that's looking to get into just starting in keto, I think they're a little overwhelmed, or, and, and whole foods, just, and eating healthier, so forth, kind of overwhelmed because of what's out yeah. there, um, but as soon as you say that, you know, just eat whole foods, don't overanalyze, don't, that you just eat, you know, um, good, natural, like you said, properly prepared food, and trust it. Just trust it and see how you feel even after a couple of days. And at least the results are incredible. And honestly, if you feel even the least bit overwhelmed with some of the science or the numbers or you're confused, don't even count anything. Don't Don't count calories. Don't count fat. Don't count carbohydrates. Just eat whole real food. The more often you do that, the healthier you're going to be. Yeah. Let's get to some calls. Let's go to New York. Dave, welcome to the program. Hi, guys. How are you? Hey, Good. Dave. Fine today. Long time no speak. Say, <laughs> <laughs> I got my uh, light balance uh, when I was home this last trip, and um, well, I could taste it right away in my water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. now, um. <clears throat> is is that a sign that I might be already, I might already have enough uh, minerals in me? By the way, I've been eating. You know, I've been kind of watching uh, eat, eat a lot of avocados and uh, um, not nuts and uh, that type of thing. I, I'm just wondering if if I actually need to uh, supplement with that. You, you may not. So let's talk about it, it. Let's say in an eight ounce glass of water, if you put one capful in, what does it taste like? Well, it's not it's not unpleasant, but I can taste it. I mean, I put it in. I got a twelve twelve ounce bottle of spring water now in the morning. I put one capful in there and shake it up real good, and, and it's it's a prominent flavor that I can taste. I'm not saying it's it's bearable. I'm not saying it's bad, but it, I can taste it. Yeah. So, and that's kind of where I stay. I stay in that point, and I tend to I tend to use about four capfuls of overall so you know uh-huh. if i'm down to really one cup of bulletproof coffee a day now i haven't been drinking two like i used to and i'll put one cap full in my coffee in the morning and then i try to drink at least three to four um, i've got an 18 ounce water bottle and i try to drink three or four of those a day and i usually put a cap full in every time i fill it up and it okay. keeps me it seems to keep me at that place where, yeah, I can taste it. I know it's there, but it's not unpleasant. And I think okay. that's a, probably yeah. a really good place to stay and because if I stop doing it for a couple of days, then I can put in two capfuls and I don't taste it at all. 
I see. Okay, I was just kind of wondering if I was getting too much of it. I, I don't, I, I don't know. Of course, I. You put it in an eighteen-ounce bottle of water. I put it in a twelve. There's a little bit of difference. Maybe I just play Correct. with it a little bit. I, I would play with it, but you know, you mentioned avocados. You take an avocado and you put good sea salt on it, and you are getting the same three minerals you get out of that light palate. And honestly, I'd I would rather see get it out of the avocado as much as possible. I eat one daily, religiously, with sea salt, with Himalayan pink salt on it, every day, Excellent. without fail. Excellent. There, there you go. And that's, the, you know, that you're getting your sodium because of the salt, and avocados uh-huh. are in magnesium and potassium. So you're getting those three in a good balance with the avocado. Great. Well, I, that's what I was kind of thinking. I'm wondering if the light balance is too much, but I'll do, I'll do like you say and play with it a little bit. Uh, uh, I appreciate it. Say, listen, I got one or two other comments if you got a minute. Um, sure. My uh, my friend that I spoke about a couple of shows ago with you with the uh, gallbladder issue. Uh, she she doesn't have her gallbladder anymore. Oh. oh. Uh, it got it, it, and yeah, and it got and, and and they never mentioned a thing about biosalt to her now that she has no gallbladder. I just, that was just unbelievable to me. But um, it seems that we got to her a little bit too late. It came on so fast. She had a seven millimeter stone stuck in a four millimeter duct, Ouch. and uh, it was like it was like right now. Um, but she never had any symptoms. Never had anything. So keep. Keep talking about it, how important that is to, to be healthy before that point. Yes. Um, I mean, that's all we can do. Now, listen, this gal, she's been kind of following me along with the keto diet for the last year or so, too. Uh, um, so it, was really, it really came as a, as a shock. Uh, right. Uh, so now all she got to do is live with it. But they never mentioned anything about supplementing that, the bile oh, salt. No. No, they don't. And, and it's not like a once-in-a-while thing that they don't. It's high 90% of the time they never mention it. Uh, it's incredible. Another example of this, I am shocked by how many people I have found on statins for no apparent reason, and they're not prescribed CoQ10 to go along with it. That, that's criminal. We'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment already, Kim. I can't believe it. Hey. We blow right through these uh, these hours. There's so much to talk about on this. So let's uh, let's get back to some phone calls. Let's go to Kentucky. Richard, welcome to the program. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, two questions, sir. 
for someone who's just getting ready to start looking at this, I'm gone usually Sunday night to uh, Friday night, truck driver, over the road. What would be the first three books that you would recommend someone that doesn't know anything about it, sir? And the second question is, uh, sometimes I feel bloated, not necessarily after I've ate, but it may be, or I'll rephrase that, not immediately after I've ate, but maybe an hour after I ate. It, it, I don't burp, I don't pass gas, but I just kind of feel bloated sometimes. And uh, I'll hang up and listen to your uh, response oh, to the first well, three don't, books. Don't hang up yet because I want to cover okay. the bloating first and then I'll get to the books. Um, All right. So, yeah, so bloating, very, very common. And we're talking about, I want to clarify this because there are two ways we can kind of feel bloated. One is, is our stomach and, and kind of digestive tract, and I think that's what you're talking about. The other yeah, one is sure. we just yeah, sure. feel bloated all over. You know, our, our, our clothes feel tighter, our ring won't come off our finger, you know, those kind of things. Um, that's water retention, and that is diet-related. But bloating in the intestinal tract is becoming much, much more common and there are a lot of reasons, but it's primarily processed food. I mean, that's really what is causing this. Grains are a, a huge problem when it comes to bloating. So one of the things you're talking about, how do you get started? I, I will tell you, I think the single biggest dietary change you can make that you, you get the biggest results from is eliminating all grains. That includes wheat rye, corn, rice, barley, um, I, I could probably go on and on, but oats, those are the most common. And it, it's amazing how people feel those results in a matter of days. They feel better, and bloating is one of the things that tends to go away. Um, then we would dig a little deeper into just addressing the digestive system as a whole, and we actually, uh, Kim and I did a couple really good shows on that. If you go to letstruck.com and you look under the audio road tab, which is our podcast network, you'll see a series of shows. And, and we did a series on the NTP process. And we did two shows on digestion. And we really address how to get digestion working properly again. And I, I can tell you this that bloating used to be pretty common for me, too. It would happen, you know, I thought randomly. I couldn't figure out why it was happening. In the year and a half that I've been eating ketogenic and clean, zero incidents of bloating, none. Like, wow. I, don't, I don't even know I have a digestive system anymore. And that may sound weird, but I don't know it's there because I never feel anything anymore going on in my digestion. It just works. Is it real hard, Kevin, to, uh, you know, somebody that's on the road as much as I am to be able to, to start to eat healthier? Or, uh, no. What type really of books not. would you recommend, you okay, know, for somebody do, like me just starting? Let's do the book recommendation. My first book recommendation for somebody on the road. Now let, let's talk about some of the other issues you might be facing. Um, are you looking to lose a lot of weight? 
Approximately. I mean, I would like to. I've lost 40 pounds uh, in the last year. But the floating part, you hit that right. I mean, nail on the head there, as the old saying goes, or hit it. Uh, Processed food. I've gotten away from eating a lot of truck stop food, but I'm eating, uh, what is it, double double grain uh, wheat bread. I eat a lot of sandwiches and stuff, so... Uh, yeah, when you were talking that. about bloating and everything, it was all grains, and I'm thinking, wow, right, right, yeah. you know, bullseye, that's it. Stop the grains, you will be amazed. So if you have to eat at a truck stop, let, well, let me go back to the books, and then we'll talk a little bit about eating. Um, I would highly recommend Keto Clarity. Keto Clarity is a good first book because it, it kind of takes you right to where you need to be right away. Um, almost everybody agrees that there are tons and tons of benefits to a ketogenic diet, especially in the beginning. And then we can move towards maybe a less ketogenic diet later on that gives us more food choices. So Keto Clarity is a great book to get started. Eat Fat, Get Thin, the book we were talking about at the beginning, another great book. Um, and then another one I really like, uh, Eat the Yolks. I think those three books give you a really good picture of why fat is good for us, why a ketogenic diet is good for us, and then why just real quality whole food is good for us. So those would be my three recommendations for you. Um, they're all was available the, was on the last one Was the last one, Kevin, Eat the Yolks, Y-O-K-E-S, like egg yolks? Exactly. Yep. Okay. All right. Go ahead, sir. And that that book is written by an NTP, which is the same designation that I just finished. She's a great writer, really easy reading, and um, uh, just uh, just one of my favorite books. Now, as far as eating on the road, eating in truck stops, here's what I would focus on. When we eat in restaurants, that's always kind of the tough part. If I eat at home, I can control every single ingredient that goes into my food. Um, But we have to eat out, especially when we're on the road. So I focus on restaurant foods that they can't screw up too bad, that they can't get a lot of processed stuff into. So you have to be careful of sauces in restaurants. They're usually loaded with horrible ingredients. You want to stay away from dishes that would have sauces on them. Obviously, we're going to stay away from grains. So what we end up with, there's two groups of foods I look for when I'm in a restaurant. Vegetables, they can't really process those, and I don't want any sauces on them. I just want vegetables. And meat, not much they're going to do to meat. Meat is meat. So I tend to eat a lot of – I'll give you a great example. This is one of my favorite things to do in a restaurant. I just did it last night. I looked at the menu. They had three or four different salads, so one of them was a beet salad. So it had beets and walnuts and goat cheese and three different kinds of greens and some seeds. Those are all really healthy foods. None of them are processed. Um, I asked, and they make all their own salad dressings, and it used olive oil and some other things, so I'm okay with that. If I'm not sure of their salad dressing, vinegar and oil. Just give me vinegar and oil that's great for a salad, and I know there's nothing in it. And then I looked at the burger list, 
and they had this killer bacon burger with, you know, pepper jack cheese and, you know, sautéed mushrooms. And I said, take the burger and instead of putting it on a bun, make it just like you say here in the menu. You know, bacon, pepper jack cheese, all that stuff, guacamole. Take that burger and put it on top of the salad and bring it to me. You can't go wrong with a meal like that. I'm getting all kinds of variety, different nutrients, nuts, seeds, greens, some goat cheese, some beets. I've got the, the, the burger, which gives me the, the protein and the fat. I can add fat to it. I've got the avocado. So that's one of my number one foods that I order in a restaurant, a salad and a burger. And just put the burger right on top of the salad, skip the bun. And I will tell you, that is satisfying. It's, it's filling, and there's just tons of nutrients in there. So at restaurants, think meat and vegetables, and how can you bring those to me? And don't put any sauces or that kind of stuff on it. that make sense? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, it does. Um, question I have, between, like, I know now, the subway has got the grains in it and processed food and fried chicken tenders. If you had to choose between the two, I know neither one of them is good, Kevin, but sometimes that's what I have to choose from. Yeah, well, let's talk about Subway. Subway started doing a thing not that long ago. Well, it's been a little while now. Turn any of their sandwiches into a salad. I love that idea. So they just take all the stuff that they would have piled on your bread or your wrap, and they just put it in a big bowl and make it a salad. Like you can get a Philly oh, okay. cheesesteak salad at Subway. Okay. So something like fried chicken tenders, stay away from uh, it all. Yeah, you know, unless you're doing your own. Uh, because if I do my own, I can use like almond flour, coconut flour. I can coat it with non-grains. And I will do that, but eating out, never. I won't touch those things because of the grain. But Subway, take any sandwich on the menu and tell them, make it a salad instead. Love that idea. Oh, boy, Kim, we're out of time. Any final words? <laughs> Goes fast. No, just uh, everybody stay close with us. Sign up for our text messages. Text LT Health to 99000. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rothberg. All right, everybody, we're going to do uh, another hour here, so hang on. Let me check the call volume. Uh, I'll give you an idea of what we've got. Um, Looks like if you uh, press 1 on your phone right now, we will be able to get to you. So if you've got a question, a comment, a topic, we'll do uh, destination health or we'll do general questions in this second hour. So go ahead and line them up. Press one on your phone right now and we'll get to you. Here we go. money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. 
I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your authority. The list goes on and on. And uh, today is kind of a carryover again. Our, our Destination Health show has become so popular that we never get to all the questions in one hour a week. So we're going to carry over and we may get to some general questions as well. So I've got my Destination Health co-host with me, Kim Cockerham. Kim, welcome back. Hi, Kevin. Glad to be here. Yeah, so um, just talking about, you know, the the volume of health-related calls is growing and growing and growing. So, uh, you know, when, when we were doing the general show and we kept getting more and more health questions, I thought maybe we just need to do a health show. And we did that, and we still got so many questions. We've now carried it over to kind of two hours and I just went back and looked at the call volume over the last month on all of our shows combined. So mm-hmm. all the different shows we do, the weekend shows, the call volume is running about 80% health questions. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's it, so I've, cool. I've always said this show is about what the callers want to talk about. And it's pretty Absolutely. clear what they want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's the energy from everybody pulling together and coming together with this is incredible. We feel it. Absolutely. So um, on the last show, we, we did a book review on Eat Fat, Get Thin by Dr. Mark Harmon. And, and it was a pretty quick review because really there's not a ton of new material that we haven't talked about in the book. It's just one of the books that's very well written. Uh, he's got amazing credentials. And it, there's a lot of action items in there. So it, it's a really good book for somebody to get started. And uh, we had a question about the top three books. And the interesting thing about book recommendations is before I make them, since I've read over 125 now, um, I, I really want to know a little bit more about the person asking. You know, what, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. are they health-wise and what are their goals? Because out of those 100 plus books, lots of them are really, really good. And, but some of them are, are more targeted. If somebody were to call me and they're pretty healthy, they don't need to lose a lot of weight, they don't have any blood sugar issues, I, I may not recommend Keto Clarity. You know, I, I may recommend Eat the Yolks instead. Um, it, not necessarily about a ketogenic diet, but a good high-fat, healthy diet. So, Sometimes the book recommendation is really going to depend on on where you are at the moment, what it is you're trying to accomplish. If you're very, very active and you're wondering how a high-fat, low-carb diet might help you, the art and science of low-carbohydrate performance might be my first recommendation. So, Yeah. But one of the things I, I like to tell people, When I talk to, and I talk to lots and lots of people about this way of eating, it's amazing to me. It seems like nowadays, no matter where I go and who I'm talking to, and I don't initiate it. I I don't know if I have a giant sign on my forehead that says, ask me about (laughs) nutrition. (laughs) 
but people, we always seem to end up on this topic. Um, and the interesting thing is I've talked to lots of people who have figured out that, you know, eating grains is not good for us. Um, eating good quality high fats is good for us. Low carb is good for us. They see the results, but they struggle with giving things up. You know, they, they just, they know they feel better if they don't eat grains, and yet they still eat pizza. And, and I look at myself, I, I don't have a tremendous amount of willpower. I'm no different than anybody else. And I, I look and I wonder, why is it that I absolutely refuse to cheat on this? And I have it in a year and a half, no grains. I, I just don't do it. I'll, I'll give you two exceptions. In the last year and a half, I've eaten sushi twice. And that's white rice, probably the least problematic of all the grains. If you're going to eat a grain, white rice is the one that will give you the least number of problems. And, and now I thought, why am I eating sushi? Why don't I just eat sashimi, which is raw fish without the rice? So I, I probably won't eat rice anymore. And I've only done it twice in a year and a half anyway. And I thought, why? Um, and I think I know the reason. And I think people are going to be surprised. Again, it's not willpower. It's not, you know, because I wrote it on my mirror and I read it every day. I think the biggest reason that I stay so strict on my diet, which I've never done my whole life, I think the reason I stay so, so strict is because I have read so many books that the evidence for me now is so overwhelming that I just don't ever want to eat that way again. So can I say I just need to read more then? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, didn't you send yeah. me a great article this morning oh, about reading? Oh, gosh. You know what, Kevin, and I posted that on the Destination Health page too because it gave me a whole different look. You know, we know reading's good. You're going to learn more and stuff like that. But I love the way this, um, the guy who wrote the article said that you have to do that to, first of all, to focus. It helps you focus when you're reading a book that requires focus or listening to a book that requires focus. Um, but then your creativity and it becomes, you know, who you are and you look at things differently. I just, I thought that was brilliant and I knew that would speak to you. Oh, so, yeah, I everybody it. go out to the, it, yeah, the Facebook page and read it. Yeah, I loved it because, you know, I feel blessed that for whatever reason, very early in life, I took to reading. I don't know why. Um, So I started reading at a very early age, and it's been something that has been consistent my whole life. From whatever grade you learn to read in, second, third, whatever it is, from that point on, Books have always been a big part of my life. I get excited about books. I mean, I, I it, so, and I feel blessed because I know all the benefits. I mean, I, I have to say, I, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of other benefits. I wasn't raised wealthy. I wasn't raised in a family where, you know, business was taught and it, and it was just normal. And, um, but the one benefit I clearly had was, for whatever reason, I had a love of reading early. And I just really never get tired of it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I expect I get more and more excited because there's so much good material. But I think on the health side, 
by reading that many books, especially in kind of a condensed period of time, I've read 130 or so books in about a year and a half on just on health. And, and I think it has so thoroughly convinced me. And then going through the NTP program, it has just completely convinced me that everything we put in our mouth matters. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Everything we put in our mouth mm-hmm. matters. But we also need to take a healthy approach to this. I don't obsess about food. I don't worry about food. I don't overly think about food. I am now to the point where I know what's good to eat, and I can just enjoy it in in many, many ways. I mean, you know me. I've always been about food. Lisa and I, mm-hmm. I mean, cook all the time. We love to go out to great restaurants. None of that has changed. I enjoy food more now than I ever have. And one of the things I focus on, I very, very seldom ever think about what I can't eat. That, that, those thoughts just don't enter my mind. I don't sit around saying, oh, my God, do I miss pizza. I, I look forward to the things I can eat. I, I, there are so many good foods that you can eat this way, and, and I look forward to those, and I enjoy them. And, and it's almost like now I have this whole new way of eating to discover. You know, I have all these new recipes to, to work on and develop now. And it's a lot of fun. I mean, one of them I did the other day, I haven't seen this one anywhere else. I think this might be my original recipe. Um, I I took uh, zucchini, made zoodles out of it, which is, you know, you just take, there's some machines Mm -hmm. you can do it. So you make kind of like noodles, like almost like spaghetti noodles out of zucchini. And then I made some lamb meatballs. And then I made a tzatziki sauce, like the Greek sauce they put on euros. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, yogurt and cucumber and dill and garlic and red onion and some lemon. And I made like a spaghetti and meatball kind of thing with this tzatziki sauce. And it was incredible. It, it was just so good and unusual. And, you know, there, there's so much to explore with, with good food and eating healthy. So... Let's get to a break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about that. And more importantly, we'll get to your calls and questions. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. This is an extension of Destination Health. Kim Cockerham is with me. Kim, I said I was going to talk some more, which I could do all day, but we have a ton of great questions. We have some 
Great questions. And just real quick to tie along with like I was we had a caller last, Richard, that asked about um starting a the ketogenic diet. And it's probably one of the shifts that um people need to encourage them to ingrain is that it's not the typical diet that we're used to before. It's not something that you're gonna do for a period of time, go off. We're looking at this as being a lifestyle. So that whole deprivation thought process, you know, um, is just to try to shift and I love the word that you said, explore. Look at all, you're going to, your world's going to open up more on what you can eat and um, experiment with and try 10 times more than what we encourage you not to eat. So just embrace that and know that this is just, uh, there's no end to this. We just keep going forward with it and learning and um, getting more healthy all along. Very well said. Let's get to some phone calls. Let's go to Florida. Pete, welcome to the program. Hey, Pete. Pete, I know you're out there somewhere, but it sounds like you're in a bucket a quarter of a mile away from your phone. Okay, how about now? I had it on speaker accidentally. Much better. Anyways, what it costs, uh, my wife's been on this diet for about eight months. Her problem is low blood pressure. You know, her top number will be 100 or below, and the bottom number it will be the high 60s. Every once in a while, she'll break into the 70s. And as long as she's like 69, 68, or 70, which is all that's on the low number, she's all right. Below that, she doesn't start feeling good. Is there anything... Uh, that uh, she could do to resolve that. Yes, there is. And and before I would work on resolving it, I would try one more test. And if she has somebody who knows how to take blood pressure and she can get them to do this, or maybe the doctor will do it, it's not a big deal, but it's not something doctors typically do. And, And here's what you do. You have her lay down and we take blood pressure laying down, and all we're really concerned about in this test is the first number. So let's say on the first number she's 105, whatever her number happens to be, laying down. Now we, she's still laying down. We pump the blood pressure cuff back up again and have her stand up quickly. And when her feet hit the floor, you immediately take the top number reading again. You want to get to that reading within about five seconds after her feet hit the floor. And what we're looking for is if that number goes down, and my guess is it's going to go way down for her. And that is a clear indication of adrenal fatigue. Our adrenal glands are responsible for maintain a lot of other things but maintaining blood pressure and actually raising blood pressure when we stand up quickly so that's why we test it this way but we would need to support her adrenal glands is is she kind of a person that stresses about a lot of things oh god yeah oh god she's a teacher teacher. (laughs) yeah so So the adrenal glands also, I said they have a lot of jobs, they are also responsible for our fight or flight response. And that's a really important thing historically when we lived out in the wild and things were trying to kill us and eat us, 
um, or you know there was there were dangerous things that would happen, but they would only happen occasionally. And the adrenal glands kick in and they re- release adrenaline and they release cortisol and they shut down digestion and they do all of these things really quickly to keep us alive. They raise blood pressure. Those are all good things when a saber-toothed tiger is chasing us. They are okay, not yeah, a good okay. thing when you respond to everyday situations that way. And we get into this hyper-stress mode where there's too much cortisol, there's too much adrenaline. Um, and, and what happens, it's just like most things. If we overuse something, it kind of wears out and it gets tired. And I, I'm, there could be some other reasons for her low blood pressure, but my guess is it's adrenal fatigue. So she needs to address that. Now, Adrenal fatigue isn't one of those things that I could say, well, eat more avocados and you'll be fine. I can't even say eat more fat and you'll be fine. I can say, like every other situation, the more processed food and sugar and carbs you can eliminate, the better it's going to be. She should address her um, gut flora, her gut bacteria, because that can go a long ways towards minimizing the fight or flight. But this is adrenals are, are one that require a little more hands-on. I, I would really recommend you find an NTP to work with, and, and they understand this issue really, really well, and they can really guide her through getting her adrenals healthy again. You know, uh you know, now he's actually you've answered two of my questions because what I do go to, to a nutritionist. See, with her, what I call it, uh, one of these days I just got to drag her in there. Uh, right. But, you know, what's funny though is what call it, she did give me vitamins for my adrenals. And yeah. uh, what happened to me is what I call it, like I got off my blood pressure pills and my cholesterol pills, but all of a sudden my blood pressure pills went back up. Not a lot, you know, but what we call basically close to borderline, you know, close to the 90 yeah. and uh, 140. And what we call, I was wondering why. And now I know. It's probably, uh, you know, those pills that I'm taking for the adrenal, that's probably the part that drove my blood pressure up a little bit from, you know, because I was down to uh, 180, 120, you know, right around there, sometimes 118 on the bottom number. Uh so realistically, you've answered two questions, and I'll just have to drag her to, to that nutritionist that I go see. Uh, there you go. But anyway, yeah, think- it really sounds like an adrenal issue. And again, that's more of a hands-on. It, it, there's not a one-size-fits-all for adrenal. Like blood sugar's easy. If somebody has a blood sugar problem, eat more fat, eat less carbs. That that's easy. It works for everybody. Adrenals require a little more tweaking and hands-on and a little more testing and follow-up. Um, but adrenal fatigue, very, very common. Kim, I know the, um, um, the practitioner you're working with addresses adrenals a lot, right? Yeah, because it's just so common, too. Um, and it's not, a quick, it's not a quick fix, but there is a process, and uh, if you just start down that path. And I think that was the hardest thing I had to do when working with her is just be patient you know we want instant we want to feel good right, right away so 
Right. And some of these things, like we talk about blood sugar control, holy cow, we can have somebody mm-hmm. change blood sugar in a couple of days. And it's not even complicated. It really is the same for everybody. Eat more fat, eat less carbs. And, and blood sugar starts fixing itself that easy. Adrenals, not so much. They're a little more complicated. There's a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, done a lot of damage to them. A lot of people have. Yeah, and, and the biggest way we do, well, two big ways, which is our diet, obviously, and stress. Just that everyday stress mm-hmm. that we face, just kind of wear them out. We, we just mm-hmm. have to learn to relax. We talk about being more mindful, meditation, yoga, you know, those are all good things. But we also know now that the whole gut bacteria has a lot to do with this because it affects our, our neurotransmitters so much. Let's uh, let's go to Nevada. Chris, welcome to the program. Hey guys, how you doing? Good. What can okay. we help you with? Hey. hey, um, yeah, I just had my first round of blood work. I've been doing the diet now since the end of last year, and I got my first round of blood work without metformin, without uh, Lipitor, and my. Uh, triglycerides came back high, uh, 172. Do you have the and rest of And my doctor, <laughs> yeah, yeah, my uh, HDL was 55, and then the LDL was 146. And what was total? Total cholesterol, 235. So 235. Let me just do some quick uh, math here. Uh, let me see what we've got. All right. So, um, you know, 172 and, on triglycerides is not horrible. And uh-huh. um, total, I don't even worry too much about. I just need it for the calculation. Um, uh-huh. Your HDL is a little low. Uh-huh. Get some ratios here real quick. So HDL to triglycerides is running in the three range. Not horrible. Not even really bad. I mean, four and five is bad. You're in three. One is really good. So if there's nothing in your cholesterol numbers I would get overly concerned about at all. But let me uh, get to a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about um, maybe some ways to improve that some. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rothbard. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're going to get right back to the phones. I was talking with Chris in Nevada. So, Chris, let's start with one thing. If we took your numbers that you have today and we compared them to the charts about cholesterol from 10 or 15 years ago, you would be absolutely Uh normal in every single number. 
they keep lowering all the numbers so that they can justify recommending more drugs. So I'm not seeing anything in your cholesterol numbers that I would worry about. Now, there could be some improvement here, but there isn't even a lot of strong evidence that improving these numbers would actually make you healthier or have you live longer. So we can talk about it a little bit, but let's focus on some other things. I heard something that caught my attention. Did you quit metformin? Oh, yeah, I quit it like within probably uh, two months of doing the diet because I was getting uh, dizzy spells, and I just happened to be listening to the program, and another caller called in with the same symptoms, and you suggested cutting the metformin in, in half, which I did. And then shortly after that, I started keeping a better track of my my blood sugar. I got a meter and stuff, and 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 basically Excellent. my blood sugar was was good. So so Excellent. yeah. So so and, and my thing. a a one. Let's say oh yeah. Let's hear your A one C numbers. Well, my A1C number on my last blood test was 6.1, and it's down to 5.7 now. My doctor's not worried about that. He said, with your weight loss, you're, it's going to improve. And then my my glucose uh, fasting was uh, 101, and he wasn't concerned with that either. Because so, it's all you know, way better numbers than I've ever had for, for a long time. And... And, um, you know, without medication. So he said, is, if I continue continue to lose weight, I've lost about 55 pounds so far. So, that is you know, he's, awesome. Kim, Kim, what do you think? That's just, I just fantastic. You can hear it in his voice. That's really, really yeah. good. Oh, yeah. So, so let's talk about this. There is clear, clear evidence that all of the things you were suffering from, the poor blood sugar control, the high blood sugar, the drugs you were on, the weight, uh-huh. we know without a shadow of a doubt those things kill you. There's no, yep. Nobody would argue any of those facts. Those things will kill you. High blood sugar will lead to you know, um, diabetic nerve pain, eye problems and, and damage and heart disease. And, and we just know how bad all of those things are and you fixed them all, which is absolutely amazing. We know how much benefit there is to all of that. Now, on the other hand, nobody seems to agree on cholesterol. There, there's tons of evidence to show as we get older the higher our cholesterol numbers are, the longer we're going to live. There's evidence that shows yeah. people with low cholesterol die way more often than people with high cholesterol. So let's say that nobody knows for sure yet. Let's say we're just still not clear on cholesterol. Your numbers aren't bad. There's nothing anybody could look at your numbers and say, oh, my God, if you don't fix this cholesterol number, this is going to happen. We don't know that. We do know the stuff you have fixed is huge benefit. So let's say that eating the way you're eating, there's nothing we can do to make your cholesterol numbers better. So what? Okay. All right. Well, I, I just wasn't sure if, if I should be alarmed or I hear you you 
say something you, about if your gallbladder isn't functioning properly, it could be that you're not digesting the fats good enough. And I eat a lot of fat. I mean, I I, I drink two of those Pilot coffee cups, bulletproof coffee, and every morning. So I get 1,100 calories. My mom is shocked, like, you know, <laughs> that 1,100 calories is coming from two cups of coffee, you know. And, so, right. I mean, I I get my fat. So I, I just thought maybe that. I was overdoing it or, or what? Nope, you're not overdoing it. Fat is almost impossible to overdo, but you're on the right track. It could be the digestion issue. And the the great news, this is easy to fix. I just started doing this myself. Um, I, I wasn't thinking about – I supplement when I eat a meal. I, I, I'm not taking uh-huh. the hydrochloric acid anymore, but I was. I still supplement with um, one of our supplements called Beta Plus. Beta Plus has got liver and gallbladder support, and it's also got ox bile. So it actually, even though I have a gallbladder and I'm producing bile, I just thought with this high-fat diet, I'm going to try this. It's normally uh-huh. what I recommend for people without a gallbladder, and the results have been pretty amazing. I actually take two of them with my Bulletproof coffee in the morning, and all of my signs of fatty acid deficiency are going away. So I would recommend try this supplement with your Bulletproof coffee and with your meals, and let's see if we can't get these numbers better. My guess is the one number we will absolutely improve is your HDL is going to go up. Then your triglycerides probably should be down some. Yeah, because he said everything was fine when I was doing the Lipitor, which I, I do recall all those, you know, numbers were fine. He said, well, you you may want to go back to just a low dose of, you know, no. a, a statin. No. And, and I I just, under my breath, I just said, no, I don't, I'm not going to do Good. that. But but I, I just, you know, I just figured I'd give the guru a call and, and see what you thought about my numbers and stuff like that. Well, so. if... If this was the best we could ever get your cholesterol numbers, I would say, so what? They're, they're not bad. But I think if we address that fat digestion, we can make these numbers even better. But if we were to score this, you've scored 1,000 on, on improving things, and maybe we scored a minus 10 on your cholesterol numbers aren't as good as they could be. But honestly, we just don't understand cholesterol all that well. Uh, I I just don't think it's as bad as we thought it was. In fact, I know it's not. And it could be good, really good to have some higher cholesterol numbers. The one I guess we could get a little concerned about is triglycerides, but you're not in the high range at all. You're like kind of borderline at best. Kim, isn't it? You know, I, I like the fact that his doctor is really working with him on the blood sugar helped him, you know, wasn't, didn't have a problem with him coming off the metformin, his blood sugar's under control. But it kind of makes me a little crazy that he said maybe you should go back mm-hmm. on the stat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right away, because it plays to our fear. And, um, you know, just because you don't know. So that's why I'm glad he called and you shared with him by looking at the ratios and so forth. And I know Jimmy shared some of that at CMC, too, and it's, just trusting a little bit and, and letting go of what we've been told for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's go to Florida. Wes, welcome to the program. Oh, yeah. Hi. 
I have a question. Uh, when I make my bulletproof coffee every day, I was sort of concerned I'm not getting enough fluoride in my diet. Uh, I was wondering where I could get some more fluoride additive to add to my uh, bulletproof coffee so I could stay on that Wait. healthy spectrum. Boy, am I glad you called. Why in the <laughs> hell would you want more fluoride in your diet? <laughs> I was making a joke. Uh, okay. Yeah. Anyways, it's sort of ironic that, you know, we go to, to put um, pilot, whatever, we make our coffee and it's made with fluoride water yet. We're trying to be healthy. Uh-oh. But, yeah, any, anyway, um, I, I, I think it'd be cool if, um, if you could turn us on to some, some sort of comedy that puts this stuff into some sort of humor because most people – they just don't want to hear it, and it comes across as being abrasive or whatever. Just, just you know, and the comedy seems to be able to put things like in a lighter side. You know, a lot of these things, like there's an authority figure, you know, and you, every time you see somebody with a white coat, we're supposed to bow down to them or something. You know, just something yeah. that makes things funny. Hey, you know, you make a great point, and I, I'm going to go look it up somewhere on the Diet Doctor website, dietdoctor.com, that I recommend all the time. Somewhere there is a comedy routine, and it was done really well, and it was basically about how calories in, calories out matter, um, but it was a good piece. Now, I, I love your idea. Humor helps us remember things. That's a great idea. But I also know, I know what my strengths are, and I know what they're not. And I've said this many, many times over the years. I'm really good at research. I'm really good at helping people take something complicated and make it simple. I'm just not funny. I got you. But I love the idea. So we, we got to think about that because I think that's a great point. Let me, uh, let me get to a break. We'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Hey, Kim, I'm looking at the uh, call board here, and I know you are too. And my God, we are <laughs> low questions. Um, can you hang around with me and we go into the third hour today? I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it, there's so many good um, questions. and You know, I don't want to leave everybody hanging. I know we're only going to get to a couple more. So um, if you're on the line, if you're on hold, especially if you've got a question, Don't hang up at the end. We are going to come back. We may not do a full hour. Um, We'll see how it goes, but we'll at least come back and do another segment or two so we can get to everybody's calls because a lot of you have been holding a long time. You have some great questions. So let's go, but don't hang up at the end. We'll keep going. Here we go. (music) 
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim Cockerham is with me. Kim, I was just saying, um, and I have said this many times, I, I, I know what my strengths are and what they're not. I, I'm really just not funny. But when I said that, <laughs> Lisa, Lisa sent me a message and she says, that's not true. I laugh at you all the time. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if that's We have so much thing. fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, boy, we've got some, there's so much to talk about. We have great questions. Let's, uh, let's get right back to it. Let's go to New York. Kevin, welcome to the program. Hey, how are we doing, Kevin? Kim? Good. Hello. What's on your mind? Yeah, I was calling you because um, I'm on the keto now, and uh, I'm getting lots of pains in my knees towards, like, the afternoon. Um, and I, I actually thought of something to meeting, but I just have to figure it out here. It's actually the I'm I don't drive trucks, I drive uh, heavy equipment. And it's the machine okay. I'm in. I think, it's, I think it's the actual AC that's doing it to my knees because it's blowing right out on my knees. But another question I have for you is um how low is like a heart rate? What's what's dangerous and what's not? My heart rate at rest is about like forty seven, forty eight. Wow. Like uh, yeah, my doctor told me he goes, Oh, he said it's too low I Actually, when I do my physical for the CDL, I actually have to run on the spot to get my heart rate up to, like, 65 <laughs> so that they'll, they'll make me pass. But I try to tell them, like, you know, if you drive a truck and you keep the rails low, you know, it lasts a lot longer than, you know, revving it too much. Yeah, uh, I, I, I agree. So let, let's talk about a couple things. Um, we'll come back to the knee pain. Um, but right now, so are you... Are you a really active person? Do you do a lot of endurance training? No, that's no, that's just it. I okay. don't. I don't. Okay, so um, you've got a really low heart rate. I do as well. I mean, even when I, you know, and I've, I exercise on and off, and and but you know, lately I haven't been a bit busy, and throughout my life there are years that go by that I don't really do any, you know, formal exercise, and my heart rate usually stays in the. 50s. Resting heart rate for me, 55 is not unusual. If I do start to work out, it drops even lower pretty quickly. I don't see any downside to it. I mean, I've read a lot of material and other than kind of like blood pressure, if blood pressure gets too low, there could be some side effects, their dizziness and that kind of thing. But I have never seen any real problems with low resting heart rate. I think it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, because cause my, my father's the same, and, like, he's 75 now, and, like, he walks five, six miles a day, you know, he's, like, I, I could walk all day, but I couldn't run all day, if you know what I mean, you know, I'm not, it's not that I'm yeah, that active, exactly. but I could, I could walk all day long and never be out of breath or anything, but, uh, it's, I, I just, it's just, you know, every time I go under, they kind of worry me a bit when they go on about it, you know, it's like, that, you know, they're just going to drop dead all of a sudden, like, and I'm like, you know, I don't think so, you know, but... It's just every time you go for the medical, they make you run on the spot to get that up to that, what they consider to be what your heart rate should be. Yeah, you know, you know there are some um, conditions that could cause, there are some electrical conditions in our heart that could cause low, but they're pretty rare. And the fact, I'm glad you told me your father has it, and he's 75 and still healthy. I don't think it's mm-hmm. any kind of the heart problems causing your low heart rate. I think some of it's genetic. And again, there are no downsides. There is not one single disease or problem that they can point to and say, this happens when you have a low resting heart rate. 
No, that's good. Well, actually, my father was told when he was in his 40s that he would probably be dead in his 40s because he had what they considered high cholesterol. You know, yep. we know what... We know that now, and my mother never allowed him to take any of the satin drugs. She used to just Good. tell him, yeah, they're in there, you know. He didn't know, like, but actually the guy that diagnosed him with the cholesterol, I think he actually died when he was in the 60s from a heart attack, so there you go. <laughs> there and, you uh, go. That's so right. We gotta, we, but anyway, okay. all right then. Thanks thanks very much, no, Kevin. Well, Kim was on. on the show. The, Thank you. The pain. Let me, hold on. Oh, oh yeah, no. I, I actually, I just think it's the machine I'm actually driving, because the machine I normally um, drive. It's the it, cab is way could, smaller. It, it could, but I, I also think there could be something we could address. Pain is inflammation. Inflammation's primary cause in our body. It, we get inflammation for all kinds of reasons, and it's actually good. We need it. But we also need to be able to de-inflame. Um, and we do that by getting a good balance of omega-3 and omega-6 oil, our fats. So when we have a good balance, the omega-6 will cause our body to inflame, to, to fix an injury, and then the omega-3 will kick in and, and make the inflammation go away after it's done its job. Our standard diet is so overblown with omega-6 that we inflame constantly and we never de-inflame. So just pay attention to the types of fats you're eating you might want to back off the protein a little bit if you're eating a lot of protein. That can cause some inflammation. And try to seek out the best sources of protein you can find, grass-fed, pastured. Um, look to increase omega-3 because that's the hard one to get. So fish, seafood, grass-fed butter, grass-fed meat, grass-fed eggs or, or pastured eggs, those are all good sources of omega-3. Walnuts, um, those are, that's another good source. And minimize omega-6. Omega-6 is processed foods, restaurant foods, conventional meats, um, vegetable oils. Stay away from those. And the more you work towards getting that omega-6, omega-3 ratio closer together, like one-to-one -one is perfect, but hard to achieve, the the okay. more you will find that this kind of pain just disappears. You mentioned cod's livers before. You mean the actual the, the cod's liver? Yeah, the, the liver itself, and it's packed in cod liver oil. Okay. Those, yeah, though. those are an excellent source, if, if, and you can get those on Amazon. You know, eat those twice a week would be plenty, uh, and that'll help your ratio as well. Uh, let's go to, where are we off to this time? Wisconsin. Jacob, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How are you doing today? Doing great. What's on your mind? All righty. Uh, I went and I was, uh, looking to pull the gun, pull the trigger on this, uh, ketogenic diet thing, and I kind of got vetoed on it, uh, by the old lady because of the sheer cost of everything. Like... We went and we sat down and we looked at it, and our grocery bill, if I was to go on the ketogenic diet, would, like, triple from what it is now. Okay. And I wasn't sure if you had any ideas on how to, you know, sort of cut the cost without cutting the quality. Yeah, I do. Um, well, let's address the whole issue because this is a great topic. Um, in fact... 
can you hold till the next hour? It's, it's yeah. coming up in a couple of minutes. I, I want to put you back on hold. And the reason is I think this is a really important topic, and I think it would be a great way to start a show, and I would have to rush it um, if I end right now. Let's go to Ohio. Ken, welcome to the program. Do you mean Ed? Uh, Ed, that's exactly who I meant. Uh, okay. Hi, Kim, <laughs> and hey, Kevin. Um, I got an issue. Um, first off, I want to thank both of you all. Since you all have been uh, teaching us about the ketogenic diet, um, I started it uh, several months ago, and I kind of fell off. However, I've gotten back on, and I actually have watched my uh, blood sugar numbers go from uh, when I had my um, last A1C, I was in the thirteen hundred, uh, the thirteen point two wow. range, and I wasn't sure whether I was going to be able to continue driving trucks, you know, without um, having to get on insulin. But right. since then, I have not had, um, I have not tested. Um, going back to the doctor to get tested yet, but my numbers have been running from the one twenty five to one twelve. And um, now I'm getting a little nervous because I'm seeing them going down to, like, 73 and uh, oh. 70. And I'm just oh. wondering, should I be worried about that? No, seventy mid-70s is virtually perfect. That's where we want to okay. be. 60s okay. really aren't too low unless you start to notice symptoms. Let's say, and I don't think you're going to get to the 60s. I think you're probably going to stabilize here at the 70s, which is freaking amazing. Uh, really, yeah. I mean, I've, I've looked at a lot of people and a lot of numbers. I have never seen anybody come down from an A1C of 13 to be able to reach blood sugar numbers of 75. That's incredible. Yes, sir. Yeah. I'm so, not sure exactly what my uh, A1C is going to be now i gotta go see my doctor in a couple of weeks so maybe i'll be giving you a call back to give you the update from where it was yeah, at the 13.2 where it is now now let me ask you one important question are you on any blood sugar medication still no excellent so this is a natural number i don't think it'll go yes, any lower if you were on medication i would say we have to be careful because you can go artificially low in the 50s, you're going to see all kinds of crazy symptoms, sweating, anxiety, nausea, uh, dizziness. 60s, usually not. 70s are absolutely perfect. So keep doing exactly what you're doing and call us back when you get some A1C numbers. Wow, that is incredible. Let's, uh, oh, no, that's the music. I've got to get out of here. Um, Kim, we did it again. We're all done. Sounds great. Yeah, good stuff. Right. See you next time. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right. So, uh, real quick, um, let me get set up, and we're going to do at least a couple more segments so we get to um, all the questions that have been on hold for so long. Here we go. (laughs) 
your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking, and today is kind of a special extended episode of Destination Health. We've had so many good questions and good topics that we uh, want to make sure we get to everybody's questions. So I've got my co-host, Kim Cockerham, with me. Kim, it, it's it, it's so satisfying. One, I love doing this show. I, there's so much for me to learn. It keeps me excited. And, and But what keeps me even more excited are some of the results we're seeing. It, you know, it's truly incredible. And, and we experienced that at the CMC as well. And so I just hope, and I'm so grateful when people call and share. Um, and if anybody's listening that is borderline or not sure, or, you know, they may be having some struggles, that's what, you know, we just, Encourage them to stick with it, you know, call and ask questions because look at what is, is happening for people. Even though we're all individuals, everybody's having their own individual um, successes and um, journey. Just it, you can't deny it. You cannot deny the, the benefit people are experiencing. Uh, yes, absolutely. I, I hesitated there because I, I just got a text <laughs> message. That was kind of funny. Um, I asked Bridget you know, to make sure she could stay in screen calls since we're doing an extra hour here. And her response was, um, shut up and butter your bacon. Oh my God. I love our team. <laughs> well, now here's the really funny part is she was supposed to text that to somebody else. It wasn't meant for me. But it was kind of like a funny response. I said, can, can you screen? And she said, shut up and butter your bacon. <laughs> awesome. uh, so there's our humor. I might not be funny, but the rest of our team is. So oh, shoot. I guess it's some kind of YouTube video. I'm going to go have to look at that. How could you not shut up and butter your bacon? Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, great stuff. Um you know, in, in talking about results, I, I, I think that um, when we look at the problems in the, in the trucking industry, and they're just a, a reflection of, of the health problems in our general population, they just mm-hmm. seem to be worse. Mm-hmm. Blood sugar control probably tops the list. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. We, we have more drivers on medications because of blood sugar issues, and we have drivers losing CDLs because of blood sugar issues. And the incredible thing is people turn this around in mm-hmm. weeks, not months, sometimes days. That, that's what's so incredible yeah. about this. That, mm-hmm. and, and this is one of those things that is kind of a one-size-fits-all. I mean, we don't have to complicate this at all. This is simple, and it virtually works for everybody. Lower your intake of carbohydrates, increase your intake of fat, watch the protein, and blood sugar fixes itself. Yeah, and like you said, it is so fast. And uh, just the results over the last year from people since you've been talking about this has been life-changing. Yeah, I, I love hearing these numbers. I, I've, You know, mm-hmm. the, we had a call on the last show with, you know, A1C numbers of 13, 13. which just 
wow. Um, I've never seen somebody seeing, that high. No, me either. And now is seeing blood sugar readings in the 70s mm-hmm. without medication. Mm-hmm. That, that's incredible. So I absolutely love that. Let's, um, let's get to some phone calls, though, because we've got a bunch. Let's go to South Carolina. Giovanni, welcome to the program. Yeah, how you doing, Kevin? Good. What can I help you with today? Okay. Yeah, I want to know uh, about uh, erectile dysfunction, ED, uh, what okay. it causes, uh, how, how you can, uh, you know, improve it. Got it. The, the good news is, is this is one of those things that's actually pretty easy to improve. And we don't even do anything specific in the diet. If you've been hearing us talk about eating whole real food and then eating ketogenically, those are kind of two ideas that we really focus on here. The more important one, eating whole real food. The secondary, eating ketogenically, eating meaning we eat high-fat, low-carb, moderate protein. When we combine the two, we get incredible results across the board. Now, you, you know, we, Kim, you and I just talked uh, on one of the last shows about adrenals and how mm-hmm. they can be kind of tricky and, you know, you've got to work with somebody and there's some back and forth and you've got to tweak things and you've got to try different nutrients and... Um, the good news here, this is one of those conditions that fixes itself without us even addressing it. Mm-hmm. So we, when we talk about the NTP process where we address the foundations first, so the first foundation, the, the bottom of the foundation is the properly prepared nutrient-dense whole food diet. Then we address uh, digestion, blood sugar control. We work through the foundations, and what we find is some of, some of these conditions, and ED being one of them, they just go away. We don't have to do anything specific. It, it just goes away. It improves. Um, so the, the good news here, Giovanni, is this isn't going to require any kind of special supplementation. We're not going to do any kind of testing or tweaking. If you just follow the idea of eating whole food as often as you can. So you want to cut out the processed food. You want to cut out the grains. You want to cut out the sugars. You want to eat better quality fats. When you do all of those things, this goes away. Okay. Okay. How about the zinc, the minerals? You, you talked the other day about the saturon or zinc well, and all that. that. That's one of the other foundations is mineral balance. What I don't like to do is to get really specific and say, well, zinc is really good for your prostate and zinc is good for this. So if you take zinc, you're going to fix this problem because it's not going to happen. That That's, that's okay. what the food companies and all the pharmaceutical companies and all the supplement companies want us to believe is that we can target one thing and fix a problem. And we can't. Now, clearly, as we're addressing your diet, your mineral balance will get better. As we address your digestion, your mineral balance will get better. If we get down to mineral balance and we can figure out that you are deficient in minerals, which is pretty easy to do, 
then yeah, we would absolutely get zinc involved um, if you're deficient in zinc, and you might be. But I, I, I don't like the approach of saying, oh, zinc is good for this, so take zinc and you'll fix your problem. Let's address the foundations, and then if we still have a problem, we can get more specific about some key nutrients that might help. Okay. Okay. All right. So do the ketogenic diet first. Okay. And whole food, whole real whole food, food is what we want to focus on. And then, you know, yes, keeping it ketogenic um, will help. No question. So, yeah, focus on those two things. And I have a feeling that this problem is just going to resolve itself. It has a lot to do with blood flow, uh, and a ketogenic diet really does improve blood flow in a lot of ways. Um, so start working on that okay. and, and stay in touch with us. And once you get this kind of under control, eating more whole real food, less processed food, and eating ketogenically, pay attention and see if this starts to improve and and Either way, call us back, and we'll keep giving you the next step to work on. Okay. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. You know, Kim, that, that he brings up a great point. We, we talk a lot about the, the major health problems, mm-hmm. diabetes, obesity, heart disease, high blood pressure. And clearly, when you start eating right, they improve. But then there's a lot of these other problems we're seeing more and more often that are kind of on the periphery. Uh, the, the, one of the things I learned during the NTP program that I absolutely love is many times when we're working with a client, we ignore all those things. We never address that problem specifically. And this would be one of them. That we, we would, and, and this is where medicine differs. Medicine, if you go to a doctor and you have ED, that's all they focus on. You have ED, how do we fix it? And it's always a drug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it doesn't really fix the underlying problem. And, and the nutritional approach says, let's get all the foundations right. And there's a really good chance all that stuff on the periphery is going to go away and we don't have to do anything. Yeah. And we're talking whole quality of life, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah, so great uh, great topic. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rothbard. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is a special episode of Destination Health. Kim Cockerham's with me. Kim, 
on a previous show, right towards the end of the show, we had a caller who wanted to talk about the cost of eating this way. And I wanted to hold it to another show where we had more time. So, Jacob, welcome back to the program. Hey, how's it going? Good. So this is a really great topic. That's why I kind of had you come back with us on another show because I didn't want to rush this one. There, there's a lot of ways we can approach this, and I, I want to touch on some of them. One, before we address how to lower the cost or what that cost is really going to be, let's just talk about setting some priorities. Now, I, I'm not going to quote a bunch of statistics because they just bore people anyway, but I can tell you if we go back just 10 years ago, or 15 or 20, the further back we go, the more we will find that as, as a percentage of our income, we used to spend a lot more on food than we do now. We spend a tiny, tiny portion of our income on food now. It gets smaller and smaller every year because they keep making processed food cheaper and cheaper. It's not as cheap as we think it is because it's all subsidized by the government, which is a huge cost for all of us. We're never going to solve that problem. But we just have to realize that the amount we spend on food right now is way lower than it used to be, and that's not a good thing. Now, in that same time period, people who really aren't making any more money than they used to have increased their spending on all kinds of things. Look at what people spend on cell phones and technology and cable TV. You know, I can remember when cable TV was like 19 bucks a month. Now it's 119 because people have 87 movie channels and then they also have Netflix on top of that. And so some of this is just figuring out what is important to you. You know, are you willing to give some other things up if you need to, to eat healthier? That's one way to approach it, but it's not the only way. What about the cost of not being healthy? What about the loss of production, the days off work, the expensive insurance, the doctor visits, the drugs, the prescriptions? What if we get rid of those? That leaves a lot of room. You know, one of my favorite sayings in this is that there are a lot of people who believe you can pay the farmer now or you can pay the doctor later. So that's that a, makes sense. That's another way to approach it. So keep that thought in mind. But let's talk about the cost themselves because there are lots of ways to lower it. Um, First of all, buy as local as you possibly can. Farmers markets are making a huge comeback. And if I shop farmers markets, I can find some incredible deals. You know, if I go to the grocery store and try to buy pastured eggs, real true pastured eggs, I'm not talking about cage free or, you know, free range. Those words are meaningless. If I go to the grocery store and buy true pastured eggs, they are $7 a dozen. I can buy cheap eggs for 79 cents a dozen. When you look at that, you go, oh, my God, I'm going to go broke. But here's the thing. I can also go to a farmer's market, and if I buy in bulk, I've gotten eggs for as cheap as $3 a dozen. That looks a whole lot better. 
you know, find somebody local who might have some chickens running around for eggs. So one of the one of the ways to lower the cost is don't try to buy all of this food at Whole Foods. Um, Whole Foods takes up your whole paycheck. So, uh, you know, I, I shop at Whole Foods, but I keep it down to a minimum because that's where it's really expensive. If I shop farmer's markets, if I find, you know, local grass-fed farms and I go in with a couple friends, maybe we buy a half a cow. You know, you can buy a chest freezer pretty darn cheap. And now instead of 10 or 12 or $15 a pound for grass-fed, you might be able to get it down to 6 or 7 So some of it is just shopping and being smart. I will tell you, pantry items, Thrive Market, thrivemarket.com. I get my pantry items. I am amazed at how cheap it is. Um, Even places like Costco, there are some products I actually go to Costco for because, well, Kerrygold Butter, great example. I can buy it at Costco. It's way cheaper than it is in the grocery store. So a lot of this is just rethinking and getting out of our old habits of just shopping at this one store. We have to look around for all the other sources, and and I've given you some to to start with. Now, let me also talk about this. Um, Some of the most expensive part about eating this way is the protein, the meat. Just don't eat as much. I mean, a lot of protein isn't good for us anyway. So cut out some of the quantity of protein that you're used to eating. We're, we're used to eating 12, 14, and 16-ounce steaks. I, I tend to keep my protein portions now four to six ounces. That's one-half or one-third of what we traditionally eat. So some of it is the way we shop. Some of it is the way we eat. And I will tell you this, and this is a big one, when you eat ketogenic, your food consumption goes way, way down. I mean, if I really look at the amount of food I eat now compared to what I used to eat, it's, I would almost say it's half. So overall cost, when you put it all together, is nowhere near as expensive as everybody thinks it is. Because we tend to look at our, our diet the way it is now, and we we price all the foods we would have to buy to replace all the food we're eating now. And like you said, it looks like it's going to be triple. Won't even be close. Even if you don't work that hard at shopping, over time you'll find that your food budget will go up a little, but it doesn't have to go up a lot. Kim, any ideas on that? Yeah, and what we've heard from a lot of people, it's just, I mean, it's a simple fact. Too, Jacob, with this is that you do need to spend a little bit more time planning ahead of time and preparing because um, you'll find, and you will have times when you're not ready, and, and you, that's when you end up spending some more money. But just the simple fact of planning and preparing, you're going to save money. And we've heard it from everybody, from people, um, all of our tribe out there doing this, that they are, they're not spending as much eating out and um, more control of their food. So that, with all the tips that Kevin gave you, this will not be more expensive um, at eating healthy, and it's so worth it. And let me throw in one yeah. more. This was I'm just going to I'm yeah. just gonna have to bank on the whole not eating as much thing because I've, uh, I've done all the, the steps. Like I found a local farm that has the grass-fed beef, and uh, 
a buddy of mine will actually sell me uh, the pastured eggs for like $2 a dozen. Oh, uh, but the grass-fed beef is where I was getting the whole thing because uh, they want $7 a pound just for ground bur- ground beef, whereas yeah. it's only like $2 a pound <laughs> no, I know regular stuff. Now, let me give you a tip on, on the meat. And this is something my son Michael figured out that I think was kind of brilliant. Um, what we know about grass-fed versus grain-fed meat, the biggest problem is in the fat. And it's the fat we want. We keep talking about, you know, a high-fat diet. There doesn't seem to be any difference in the protein content of grain-fed versus grass-fed. It's the fat content. In grain-fed, the fat tends to be more saturated and much higher in omega-6. And in the grass-fed, it's more unsaturated and higher in omega-3. So we know that. It, it's the fat quality of the meat that changes, not necessarily the protein quality. So my son came up with the idea, why not buy lean, conventionally raised meat? So you might buy a strip steak, which has very little marbling, so there's not much fat within the muscle. Trim all of the excess fat off of it, so now it's, it's a leaner protein and then add good fat when you cook it and eat it. Uh, how about this for an idea, if I could get it to work? Uh, I go to the farm that I found the uh, grass-fed beef at and see if I can get them to just sell me a whole bunch of the fat and then go to the regular grocery store, buy, you know, the 90, you know, 96 for whatever ground beef, and then go. mix the good fat in with it. I think that's a great idea. And that's, okay. And that's really what um, uh, my son was talking about is those kind of ideas like that. And, it, you know, it's kind of one of those tweaks or, or a hack. Um, and, Kim, how many times have we, um, mm-hmm. we talked about this where there are levels of this? This isn't black or white it's not all or nothing there's a whole spectrum of eating healthier and we don't want to overwhelm people by thinking mm-hmm. you have to do it this way or nothing that that's not the case we want to move along that spectrum from our standard american diet and how unhealthy it is to get to the point where we start making small improvements and we continue to make those small improvements over time and we get better and better and better and this may be one of those sure if we could buy grass-fed ground beef that would be awesome but if we can't buy really lean ground beef get some good quality beef fat and put it back in i I love that idea we're kind of that was great hearing our own food to make our own food healthier. Um, I've got to get to a break. I'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right. Uh, real quick, we're, uh, we've still got questions. We're going to get to those right now in this segment. Here we go.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim Cockerham is with me. So, Kim, I know I was kind of asking you questions, and then I just kept talking and talking. So (laughs) I'll give you a a chance to respond. But I I think that idea that we always have to keep in our mind is that Mm -hmm. this isn't an all-or-nothing process. Yeah, absolutely. And and you always tell people, you know, have a little grace with yourself and be kind um, and just constantly be improving a little bit here and there and, um, you know, uh, and trying new things. And and I love that part of that whole biohacking that you you talk about and find what works and come on and share it and just keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the food cost is a big issue Mm -hmm. in this and, and it gets brought up a lot and, what I find is that the people who make the commitment to switch, they don't necessarily get bogged down in the details. They make the commitment to switch. The, the money issue never really seems to be an issue. No. And you know what? When you hit on the nose, when you started talking about, and this is what you always fascinate me with us when you said about that, setting your priority for what's important. And, you know, we do our little text messages now and we say, you are worth it. And you should be at the number one top of your priority. And you're not going to put junk in your body or put the bus wherever you can and look at other areas of your life that you, you may be able to tweak. And, and um, you know, even if it is supposed to be a little bit more expensive, it, it's worth it. Absolutely. You know, another good case of this, you, you and I talked a little bit on another show about how important reading is and how it improves our life in so many ways. Well, I could look at audiobooks and say, yeah, but they're kind of expensive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They are. I get it. I, I spend a small fortune on books because not only do I buy the Kindle book, but I buy the audio book to go with it. So now I'm spending twice for the same book. But but it's so important to me that is a priority. I'm willing to do that. Yeah, what's that saying? Show me your checkbook and calendar, and I'll show you your values and what's important. You know, what a what a yeah. great – you know, that's a big thing that, that Larry Winget does. Larry Winget has a – you know, he used to do a whole TV show on this. You know, he, he would sit mm. people down and say, tell me what's important to you. And they'd say, well, you know mm-hmm. – we tend to give the answers we think people want to hear, the, mm-hmm. the good. So we say, well, family and health. And, and then after he lets them answer all of those mm-hmm. questions, he takes their credit card statements and their checkbook, and he says, that's not true. You haven't spent a penny on family this month. You haven't spent anything on health. What's important to you are shoes and DVDs, and that's where we spend our money. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is yeah. look to see spend your money and that's where your priorities are mm-hmm. yeah and it, it, it's really not hard to change them we just have to make that decision once you make the decision that being healthy is important and the the single biggest factor in being healthy is what you stick in your mouth every day then it's not so hard to spend seven dollars a pound on ground beef if i have to mm-hmm. yep let's go to Virginia. Freddie, welcome to the program. How are you doing, Kevin and Kim? Hello there. Good. What's on your mind? I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out um I wanted to see if you have any solutions for my wife. She has uh, those fibroid tumors and I was trying to see if you came across anything in your studies that could help shrink those naturally. And I did have uh, a friend that's having some issues swallowing his normal routine of eating. So okay, so yeah, the, the 
tumors, there is a ton of evidence that um, all tumors, whether they're cancerous or not, have a lot of similarities. They're, they're an overgrowth of cells. The cells are dividing too fast. That, that's basically what a tumor is. There's a okay. lot of evidence that shows every cell in our body, the natural cells that are supposed to be there, they can run on two different fuels. And, and this is the basis of what we talk about all the time. They can run on glucose or they can run on fat. And, and it's really ketones that they're running on because our liver converts fat to ketones and then that energizes the cell. Our natural cells will always default to glucose first because it's an easier energy to burn, but it burns hot, mm-hmm. it burns fast, and we have to keep giving it sugar. Whereas if we switch okay. to fat as our source of energy, every cell in our body can run on fat, and it does it really, really well. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Tumor cells or cancer cells can only run on glucose. They cannot okay. use fat or ketones for energy. So there are some, some pretty high-level medical institutions now that are using a ketogenic diet or even a restricted ketogenic diet to kill cancer cells, to literally starve them out. And they're seeing mm-hmm. a lot of success. Now, when I say a modified ketogenic diet, what they're doing there is in more extreme cases, let's say somebody does have cancer and they're going to go through chemo and radiation and all those radical things, they take a ketogenic diet and then they make it a calorie-restricted ketogenic diet. And they find that works even better to starve out cancer cells. I don't see the need for that in a healthy human. I'm not going to starve myself. But what they find it's a whole lot easier to do calorie restriction when you're on a ketogenic diet because you don't get that hungry anyway. So they might keep a, a cancer patient down to 1,000 calories a day in, in a ketogenic diet, and they're finding that it's really working to shrink cancer and tumors. Especially when they lose their appetite and they feel like they don't want to eat, that would help. I can see how that can really help them. They're not really eating a whole lot, but they're eating enough to kind of Starve out those cells, but also just giving them what they need to kind of stay um, exactly stay on track. Yep. I see what you're yeah, the the swallowing thing, you know, that's such a specific issue that I, I really think that's going to take some sort of a medical practitioner. Um, okay. This is going to sound really odd, but I, I'm going to make an off the wall recommendation here have you asked this person a question because i experienced this personally i i've never gone to research this or see if there's any evidence but there was a time where every time i swallowed i was i felt like i had a lump in my throat and Mm -hmm. it was really annoying and it started to worry me i'm like oh my god do i have you know cancer of the esophagus or or you know what's going on and I don't remember what made me th- – I guess I was just thinking in my mind, why did this happen? What, ha- what am I doing different? And, and here's what it was, and I tested this multiple times to make sure this was it. It was any kind of whitening products for your teeth, like whitening toothpaste, oh. white 
mouth rinse, any of those products. And I had switched just because, you know, I thought, well, why not? Um, so I switched to a whitening toothpaste and a mouth rinse. And I thought, I wonder if that has anything to do with it, because that's new and this is new. So I quit. <laughs> Within like two days, it went away. And I thought, well, maybe it's wow. just a coincidence. Wow. I tried using it. I did it four times, on and off, four times. Every single time I use one of those products, I get a lump in my throat. As soon as I quit, it goes away. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. I, it's worth a shot. Like I said, I never went to do the research to figure out if it's common or why it might happen or what might be. And I didn't do the research because I fixed it. Why, you know, I fixed the problem. Isn't that weird, Kim? Yeah, it really is. But, um, yeah, I'd never heard of that. I hadn't either. And hmm. and maybe I should go research it now to see if there's. What but it, it, yeah. Why, why is it? Does it happen to other people? Mm-hmm. That, you know, I, I don't know. But yeah. it was clear. I mean, I tested it so many times. Um, and now, because I've gotten onto the whole paleo, um, I, I've gotten away from all traditional um, mm. cleaning products of any kind. Um, you know, I, I actually now brush my teeth with dirt. I want to see that. Next yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah, I it's, haven't seen. I, I think I've heard of it, but I have not. I have yeah, not it, it, it. It, it it's bentonite clay, um, mm-hmm. and it, it is. It's a product actually made as a tooth product. It's not a paste. It's a powder, and it's mostly clay with a couple other things in there. And it does an amazing job. There's no chemicals. There's no, you know, downside. So I'm really moving towards very, very natural. Um, you know, hygiene products and, and, and minimizing that chemical load that, that we just assault our body with and we don't even think about it. That's in our environment, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's the music. Let's get to a break and we'll come back and we'll get to more of your calls and questions. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. We're down to the final segment. I'm going to get right back to the phone calls. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Mike, welcome to the program. Okay. Hey, Kevin, how are you? Good. What's on your mind today? Hey, hey isn't your son worried about the uh, the fact that these uh, conventional meats have antibiotics and these animals are not raised ethically? 
when you buy the, uh, the conventional protein? Yes, even though this was his idea, he virtually never eats conventionally raised. And you know what? <laughs> I, and I'll tell you, he's he's young. He's you know has twin boys, which we twins are expensive, and he's made it a priority. They spend a large portion of their income on good, high quality food. But he's trying yep. to help up people, so he kind of came up with this idea that if, if a bad part of this is the fat, well, then we could replace that. So it's a little better. It's kind of like that spectrum. But he agrees. You know, so he, yeah. all yeah. of his meat is you know, local body buys, you know, bulk at, at, at from a local farmer. Um, so yeah. he's made a decision that he's going to spend the money so that his family eats healthy. Okay. He just came up with the idea to help other people. Yeah, yeah, me, me too. I mean, I spend the money because uh, the benefits are incredible. But here is a, a benefit which I agree with you when you're considering the cost and all the other benefits that come up. You know, I have a T660 and I have that little refrigerator that comes with a truck, and I always run out of space to put in enough food when I'm going on the on on the road. And I replaced the three half gallon. Uh, containers of milk that I used to buy whenever I went to Whole Foods or to Walmart and it was organic with two slabs of Kerrygold butter and now I have all the room that I need and <laughs> and uh, the butter lasts even longer <laughs> you know what I mean there, it's, it's, am- it's amazing well you know yeah. th- there are two, two foods that are a big part of eating healthy that we traditionally refrigerate but you don't need to you don't need to refrigerate butter, and you don't need to refrigerate eggs. Right, right, right. But when it gets really hot, you know, the butter can melt, so it helps True. that uh, yeah. I put it up there. But uh, anyway, yeah. I wanted to ask you, I know you uh, got another option to the coffee, the cocoa, and I was wondering how that's working for you, and uh, is, it, is it worth pursuing? Because I also want to get an alternative to coffee. Oh, yeah. In fact, I love this stuff. Um, the the one that I found is called Creo Brew, and it's C-R-I-O-B-R-U, Creo Brew. And what it is is it's ground-up uh, cacao beans that have been roasted the way they roast coffee. So okay. you brew it just like you would coffee. You can put it in a machine. You can put it in a French press. They actually make the little K-cups. Um, I got the K-cups on Amazon. And I mentioned earlier that I'm no longer drinking two cups of Bulletproof coffee. I'm only drinking mm-hmm. one. I drink one right. cup of Bulletproof coffee and one cup of Bulletproof cocoa. And my plan is to switch over to maybe no coffee or maybe I make coffee a treat once in a while, you know, once or twice a week. Yep. Yep. But yep. I, yep. I'm loving yep. the uh, roasted cacao. Is there caffeine in it? A, a tiny, tiny little bit. In fact, they say it's actually, there's less caffeine in these roasted cacao beans than there is in decaffeinated coffee. What is in so there? Where do you get that? Uh, yeah. Amazon. Go on Amazon and look okay. it up. It's the only place I've really found it. Um, actually, I must have found the first bag of this stuff in a store somewhere. The problem for me is we travel all over the place, and I'm always in different stores, and I never remember where I get stuff. But you can find it on Amazon. They've got 
light roast, dark roast, medium roast. It, it, I was surprised at how many options I found. Um, it does have, it has virtually no caffeine. It has uh-huh. a, a, a component called theobromine. And theobromine has some similarities to caffeine. It kind of energizes us and wakes us up. But it doesn't have any of the downsides, like the jitteriness, the nervousness. Um, coffee right, is right, very right. acidic, and cacao isn't. So, it, okay. it, And cacao is loaded with antioxidants and phytonutrients and minerals. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And after all, yeah, the whole idea for that breakfast idea, anyway, is to, to deliver the fat. So, yes. Yep, that's right. You know what I mean? Yeah, so okay, if we I'm, do, I'm definitely going to look for that. <clears throat> there you go. Anything yeah. else? Okay. Um, no, I was actually uh, also going to look into the um, the idea of using these groups, uh, the local groups where you can get your eggs and chicken and bones, especially for broth. And yes. um, so I think that's that's a great idea. Thank you so much, Kevin. <clears throat> You're welcome. And and if people are, are looking, groups like that, um, look under CSA, Community Supported Agriculture, which is becoming much, much more popular now and, and even more flexible. So it's making it a little easier to do, and that's another way to really lower your cost. Uh, let's see how much time we've got here. Let's go to... Uh, boy, we still have a ton of... <laughs> Questions here. They're Holy awesome. cow! Um, let's go to Ohio. James, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you. Um, What's up? I um, purchased. Hey, not much. Um, how are you guys doing? Um, I just wanted to ask you something. I purchased uh, sweet bread, um, and I'm soaking it right now. I don't know if you have any experience with that. It not only is it pretty scary looking, but <laughs> It's got it like a membrane cover. It's covered with a membrane, but anyway, I'm just kind of doing what I did found on a Google search, and I don't know if it's necessary to soak and blanch and then press, but I don't know. It's uh, good, good sweet bread. It's grass-fed and everything. Oh, yeah, that's excellent then. For the people who don't know, because it's kind of a strange term, um, sweet bread uh, is the name for some of the glands that come from animals. So sweet bread makes it sound kind of, you know, like something we might really like. And it's an organ, um, which freak a lot of people out. But organ meats are like the original superfoods, especially if you're sourcing them well. Grass-fed, well-raised animals, beef especially, all of the glands, all of the organs, the liver, the heart, the kidneys – um, the sweet breads, that's where all the nutrition is. So if we can get over our, you know, freaked outedness about, you know, the weird stuff, uh, it's great to eat. Um, one of the ways you can do this, I, I don't, I don't think it's necessary to soak and blanch. You can get that down to oh. one step. Yeah. Take, um, take a gallon of water and a quart of vinegar and simmer them for about 10 minutes. That takes care of that whole step. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't have access to heating it, but I do have it sitting in a, a tray here, and uh, there's water in it, so I'm going to add a little bit of apple cider vinegar to it 
maybe, yeah, you, uh, some, you know, change the water. Yeah, you want some vinegar. Then. So go ahead and throw some yeah. apple cider vinegar. We need the acid. And then really, one okay. of the best ways to cook these is grill them. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, that's what I wanted to ask you. That will be my next thing to ask you. And, um, well, can I cook it with the membrane on it? Or is that okay? Or will that come you off know, after a few hours? Uh, sometimes it does. It depends. There's actually, depending on which gland you're looking at, there are a couple ways to prepare them. The easiest, you can go online and look it up. You'll find some videos on cleaning them and that kind of stuff. Or you can just experiment. I mean, okay. one of the things we can do is just not be afraid. Just try something. You know, that, yeah, that's yeah, how, absolutely. That's how we all learned originally. You know, we, we made something one way and said, oh, that's not so great. Let's try this. So you can go online, look up some ways for cleaning and preparing sweetbreads. Um, grilling them is a great way to, to add some flavor. They get kind of crispy on the outside, and then they're kind of creamy on the inside. I'm making myself hungry. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're scaring me. <laughs> uh, just one final thing. Um, I, the way I prepare my foods um, is I have a Road Pro stove, which works really well. I would suggest that for somebody on the road. But I have to line it with tin foil. Um, do you see any problem with that? I mean, I know nowadays they stay don't cook on Teflon, but is there any problem with uh, cooking on tin foil all the time? It's about, no, there really I mean, unless isn't. I get like a, uh, yeah, I, okay. I don't worry about it. I cook a lot in tin foil. There really isn't any big downside to that. So, yeah, don't worry about that. Teflon can be a problem. I tend to use um, – I, I, I don't use a lot of nonstick pans. There's only a couple things I use nonstick pans for, and I keep uh, ceramic pans. And cast iron. Is I was going to really, ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah, I love cast iron cookware, uh, mm-hmm. and it's nonstick. Holy cow, there's the music already. Um, what an awesome we, show. We blew right through that hour. Yeah, absolutely. Great calls, great questions, uh, great testimonials and feedback. I guess Kim will do it again next time. Sounds great. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Thanks for tuning in to The Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.